Masechet Kedushin, Daf Mem Bet. We're speaking about sending messengers, because we just uh, said that a husband can send a messenger to the Kedushin, a wife can send a messenger to receive Kedushin, and then we're talking about Shalichim for other things and how we know uh, that th- those are valid as well. And we talked about Kodashim, how you know you can send someone to offer a sacrifice on your behalf. And Rabbi Yosho ben Korcha learned it from Korban Pesach, where it says, V'shachatuoto kol kehal adat Yisrael ben harbaim. So what do you mean? The whole congregation is going to uh, offer a sacrifice? How could every single person do it? Rather, one person does it on behalf of a whole group. Um, so here you, here you have a source that uh, someone can send an agent on behalf of themselves. Now, that's a good source, but then we ask, Okay, we have a good source, Rabbi Yosheb ben Levi, but Bionatan uses that very same pasuk to learn a different law. If so, where is he going to learn the law that you can send a shaliach for a korban? So first, let's see what he does with that pasuk. How do you know that the whole nation of Israel can fulfill their commandment with just one little sheep? Now, even though obviously that sheep will not be enough for everybody in the whole nation to have a piece of it, nevertheless, if this altar is only one, is only for whatever reason, uh, they can only sacrifice just one sheep, that's okay. Everybody can join in that sheep and fulfill their obligation. How do you know that? That's true. Now it says that the whole congregation will slaughter it. Wait, can the whole congregation uh, all slaughter? Everybody's going to bring their own korban, right? That would be overwhelming. It would be impossible. Right? In fact, there is only one from each group. So, in fact, you can have one each group. We learn further that you can have one for the whole entire nation because it's called Kaladat Yisrael Shachatu Oto, singular. So, if 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 it was necessary, um, and even if even though you didn't get a piece of the korban, still you appoint, <coughs> still you um, joined in with the whole nation, and uh, thereby you fulfilled your obligation. So now, now he uses this drasha for some this other law about one sheep for the whole nation. So shalich from where will he learn that in general someone can send a messenger on one's behalf? So we answer simply, or from this very law, right? Even though he's using it for a slightly different uh, law than Rabbi Yoshua ben Korha did, but actually it ends up being the same point because uh, here all of the nation can use one sheep. That means that they're all sending one guy, right? Uh, one guy, this is, you take the sheep, and you're doing this on behalf of everybody as a shaliach. So this source itself proves that you can make a shaliach for a korban pesach, and therefore also for other types of other sacrifices. We say no, but well, maybe over there it's not working from the law of shalichut, but rather from partnership. This is different—a um, partnership where both partners in this thing 
and an animal, right, uh, right, or whatever property we're partners. So that whatever happens to the animal, it have is uh, takes effect for both of us because we're partners. Even if you do it and I'm the silent partner, okay, still I'm the partner in it, and that's why it works. So maybe all of Israel are partners in this korban, kind of like with the korban tamid that there's only one korban tamid for the whole nation, but everybody when you give machasita shekel once a year that goes into a big storage house and everybody shares and every single daily korban tamid. So that is a partnership. That's why it works, but not necessarily as a shaliach. So actually, we have no source from here regarding shalichut. So rather, we're still looking for a source that you can make a shaliach for a korban. Uh, when the pasuk says, you will take each man one sheep for a father's house, one sheep for a household. Uh, so you see that one person is taking it on behalf of the rest of the household. Isn't that a messenger? We say no. Maybe that's also a partnership that uh, everybody in the family, whatever it could be, the you know the cousins, the big family, small family, whatever it is. <laughs> they're all um, uh, joining in as as partners, not necessarily like a shaliach. Wait, if this is partnership also, and the previous pasuk was also about partnership, that you could have one for the whole nation, well, then you have two pasukim teaching me the same thing, that you can make a partnership for korban Pesach. I don't need two laws to teach me the same thing, and therefore we apply the rule. It's a very unusual rule. There's a bunch of instances when we apply this. If it can't be applied to its context where it is, so then we're going to take this pasuk and apply it out of context. So even though in the context is talking about partnership, but there's two of them about partnership. So it can't be talking about partnership. Therefore, it must be that this pasuk comes to teach us something in a different area, even though agreeably. In this context, it is about partnership, but the, it, it, it being an extra verse says, oh, learn something else from it. The other context that we're learning is uh, messengership. So yes, we learn from here that one can make a messenger for Korban Pesach and for any other Korban. Now, not any, uh, for other Korbanot. Hi, mi ba'ele l'chadribi Yitzchak. Hold on, we actually need this pasuk for a different, to learn a different law of Rabbi Yitzchak that an adult can acquire something on behalf of others, but a minor can't. That's why it says, that you need an adult, and any adult in the family can go and acquire a sheep, and he will merit everybody else in the sheep. Um, with his acquiring it on their behalf. But a minor does not have the ability to do that. So we already need this pasuk for something else. And we answer, no. We can learn that from the next pasuk in Shemot that says each person according to what he eats. And there also it says ish. And so we can learn that that's an adult and not a child. So this is good. We can use this pasuk for about, uh, to teach us about shaliach. Now we say, wait, we actually need this pasuk ish to teach us a different law that a single person can bring his own Korban Pesach. 
usually yeah, bring a whole group because you're not supposed to leave any over. And so if you bring your own your own sheep, um, well, you can do it as long as you're uh, willing to eat the whole thing. And most people can't eat the whole thing. But let's say you're really hungry and you can eat a lot. So is it permitted to bring your own sheep? It is permitted. That's singular. So actually we need this pasuk for to teach this other law. The answer is, No, we can follow here the opinion of the, that, that says that one uh, single person cannot make his own Korban Pesach. It's probably too much for him to eat. And anyway, that's no fun. The whole point of Pesach is to come, be around with, with friends and, and uh, uh, family, and you invite strangers and poor people. You have to have a festive meal with other people. You know, sit there by yourself. That's kind of depressing. So anyway, if we, if we follow that, then we don't need Ish Lefiachlo to teach us that. And therefore, we can learn all the laws. And we, in fact, do have a source. Um, that's the doubling. Uh, the, we have two sources regarding partnerships. We don't need two. So we'll use this one to teach us that one can make a messenger. All right, good. So now we have an answer to that. Pay attention to this name. He's going to come up two more times. And now we have another problem. <laughs> we have too many sources to teach me about Shaliyah. Just now we said, oh no, there's, there's no source for this rabbi. There's no source for that rabbi. But now we have, uh, we have another source, like why do we need this one? Um, so anyway, Rav said, how do you know that a uh, person's messenger can act on behalf of himself and is like himself? Take one prince of every tribe and they are going to take possession of the land on behalf of everybody in their tribe. So you see that, that this person is a messenger uh, for everybody else in the tribe. Why don't we learn Shilichut from this Pasuk and then we don't need the Pasukim that we had before. Wait a second, you think that this Nasi is working as a Shaliach? After all, isn't he acquiring the land on behalf of everybody, men, women, and children? Can, ch- can a child make a Shaliach? He cannot. And so... If the Nasi is acquiring on behalf of children too, obviously he's not acting as a messenger. Uh, rather, see the second time we have the same Rav Gidel Marav. Okay, so Rav Gidel Marav did not say this and that because they're both quoting the same pasuk. Rather, this is another version of Rav Gidel Amarav's statement. We rejected this one. This one, it's kind of like we know that Rav Gidel Amarav derived something from this pasuk, but we're not sure exactly what. So at first we assumed that he's deriving Shaliach Shaladam Kemoto, but then we said, no, he can't be a Shaliach the Nasi because. He's being sent by children, and children can't send the shaliach. Rather, we update the version. He's saying, how do we know that you can um, merit some uh, uh, for somebody, even not in their presence? Shene'emad, because uh, it says, nasiachad, nasiachad. In other words, <laughs> the nasi was not acting as, as a messenger, but rather, according to the, very, uh, the, the widespread law, that I can um, do something for your benefit without you knowing. Right? I find a... Um, a certain item that I know you like in the street, and I pick it up, I say, for you. I don't want it because that's not interesting to me, but I know you collect uh, this, this item, and so you would like it. So a second I pick it up, it is yours because that's just a benefit for you. It doesn't come with any uh, responsibility or anything. Okay, hold on, is acquiring the, this, a piece of the land of Israel 
um, simply a benefit without any disadvantage? Well, you would think, think yes, right? But here's the problem. When a Nasi chooses a portion for his tribe, so that means saying, okay, I'll take this tri- this portion and not some other portion. But the people that he's representing might come and say, wait, you picked a, 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 an area in the hill. I like an area in the valley better. Some people like people, a place in the hill better. And then he picks it. If he picks it in the valley, he'll say, no, we wanted the hill. So by the Nasi choosing on behalf of everybody this one piece of land, he's agreeing to give up the right to some other portion of land that maybe the people would like better. And so therefore, it's, you, can't, you can't learn from here, because it's not simply a simple zechut, right? If I find a $100 bill, then I can assume, oh, that person, I know he's uh, he has some bills to pay. He would like this $100 bill. So that's... Uh, uh, clearly an advantage, but here it comes along with a possible disadvantage, and therefore you cannot do it without the other person's knowledge. So now a third version of what Rav actually said to his student Rav Gidel. Um, so how do you know that orphans, um, uh, their father died, and now, let's say they're minor orphans, and uh, their father died, and now you have a big estate, and so since they're minors, they can't decide what uh, this one should take and that one should take. So the Betin will appoint a, a steward over them, both for advantage, disadvantage, and for advantage. In other words, you're going to choose, right, so you want this land over here? Okay, fine. The, and and the um, stewards will uh, uh, will agree. I'll take this land and not that land. You'll take that land and not this land. And that will mean it could be good for them. It also means that they're giving up a right to something else. But since they're minors and they can't decide themselves, and we can't just leave it in limbo uh, for years, so the steward will uh, stewards will decide. Now we ask, so how do we know that? Now we interrupt us ask. Wait, why would a steward do something bad? Uh, for a person that is, as a disadvantage? No, the answer is it might be a disadvantage now in the short term, but it's for advantage later on. So a steward might say, listen, I'm willing to take this piece of land for my uh, for my client here, even though this land is going to require a lot of input, a lot of investment, because it's not as good as the other land. But he sees that with investment, it's actually a better a better piece of land and will end up being good. So a steward can make that assessment on behalf of the orphan. Okay, now back to the Baraita, uh, back to the statement. How do you know this? Because it says the Nasi will take uh, on behalf of every tribe, and um, and so they're acting as stewards for everyone, including the children that are in each tribe. And even though uh, you can, uh, uh, some uh, some of the Nasim will say, you know what? I think I'm going to take the hill. I agree to take the hill country on behalf of um, my tribe. And even though it'd be good for some, it's bad for some people, but it's uh, overall, uh, well, we have to trust the Nasi, just like, and from there you can learn that you, you can also, you should also trust a steward to say, this, uh, this land, this deal is good for the orphan that I'm representing, even though he might be choosing a long-term gain and uh, that might include a short-term loss. So in fact, this is what we're learning from the Pasuk, and we are not learning 
um, anything uh, that we said up here regarding shelichut. So actually, there's no problem. We don't have an extra pasuk for shelichut because we're using it already. Uh, we're using it instead for something else entirely. Now, since we mentioned the law of uh, steward taking care of property of an orphan, we're going to go further into that topic. Rav Nachman, student of Shemuel, said in his name that when orphans come to divide a property that they inherited from their father, so Betin will appoint for them uh, stewards, and they will each choose, each orphan will have a, will have their own steward, and they will choose a good portion for uh, on behalf of them. However, when they when they become adults and they can come and look and say, uh, "This is what my steward chose for me." No, I don't like it. I disagree. So then they can disagree with what the determination was, and they can re-divide it. That's uh, that's the opinion of Rav Nachman in the name of Shemuel. However, Rav Nachman himself did not agree with what he learned from Shemuel, and he said, when when they grow up, they cannot uh, uh, protest because if they can protest, then where's the power of the court? Right, the court appointed this uh, these stewards, so they should have authority. I mean, if I um, give someone authority here, take this uh, this stuff and sell it, and at any price you get is fine but then and, and then i add oh but if i don't like the price then i change uh, then I, I take it back well then i'm not really giving the person authority so where's the authority of the court if they could say okay yes we'll uh, uh, oversee the division but then when they, they grow up they can uh, change their minds and redivide it so then the court looks like it's uh, impotent Okay, so Rav Nachman says we have to take into account the power of the court. Now we ask, Wait a second, does Rav Nachman hold of this principle that we have to uphold the power of the court? Here is a case where Rav Nachman says the opposite. It's a similar case. Uh, Mishnah in Masechet Ketubot that when uh, judges come to appraise something, uh, like if the orphans have to, uh, if the orphans estate is going to sell something, so the uh, court will uh, give an estimation of how much it's worth an appraisal. But let's say they make a mistake and they're off by more than a six, a six too less, too little, or or uh, over a six of the of the real price too much. If they do that, then the sale is invalid. Uh, either way, either you're cheating the buyer or the seller. Um, that's the opinion of Tanakama. However, Rashbag says the, the sale is valid because otherwise, where's the power of the Betin? We said, okay, oh, we can't uh, let just let you know let have a fire sale on orphan's property. We have to make sure that it's uh, going to be fair. How do you make sure? Uh, put it in the hands of the Betin. Well, if you give authority to the Betin, then that's it. They have authority. You're going to say, well, Betin, uh, we give it to the Betin, but only if they're right. Uh, if if they're you know within a small uh, margin of error, but if there's an error, then no, then uh, you uh, change it. That's the Tanakama. Rashbag says, well, then you're not giving them authority. Authority means whatever they say goes. So and Rav Nachman said about that that um, that it's no good. <laughs> so they don't hold of this uh, idea that the power that the court has authority no matter what they say, only if they get it right. So now we have a contradiction because here he said. 
that if the orphans grow up, you, they cannot protest whatever the court said in the, by, by appointing the stewards and whatever they agreed to, that's, it sticks and they can't protest. And here it says um, that, they, uh, that if, it's, uh, if their court was wrong, then it's, un, then it's, uh, um, then it's, uh, then it's undone. The sale is null, null and void. So which is it? And the answer is la kashya ha de ta'u ha de la ta'u. When Rav Nachman ruled that the transaction is void because the assessment was more than a sixth off, that's when they made a mistake. So indeed, when they make a mistake, it's then it's void. Basically, we don't uh, give the uh, the court power uh, uh, to decide whatever they want. Whereas the other case, when he says the orphans can protest when they grow up, that's in the case where the where the um, court and the stewards did not make a mistake. They did not m- misassess anything. It was a proper um, uh, division, and therefore they cannot protest when they grow up. Now we ask on that. Wait a second. If they didn't make a mistake when they divided it, then what are they protesting? This was a fair division. You got half, you got half, everything's fine. What's the point of protest? And the answer is, they could still uh, protest regarding the direction or location. Um, so even though they got half the field, let's say it's two people, you got half, I got half the field. Yeah, but I don't like my location. I want the field that's closer over there to my other fields or to my home. And so I protest the location. That they have a right to protest. If otherwise it's just a fair division, everybody's good, then they would not protest. And if there's some an actual mistake, then in fact, according to Rav Nachman, they can protest. Good. Now we're going to quote another statement of Rav Nachman on the same subject. When two brothers divide an estate, they have the same laws as someone buying something from the other when it comes to overcharging and undercharging. As follows, there's three categories. If the overcharging or undercharging was less than a sixth of the correct value, then the sale goes through, the division is valid. If I sell you something and I overcharge you more than a six, or you pay less than a six uh, under, then the sale is void. And so too, uh, brothers who divide such a, in such a way, and one gets more than the six, uh, more than the other, then the division is void. Shetut kanal machzir If it's exactly one sixth, then the sale is valid. But I would have to return to you if I overcharged you one sixth. I would have to return to you that extra one sixth of money. Or if it was a division, we would accept a division. But the discrepancy of the sixth, one brother would have to give to the other. That's Rav Nachman's statement. He's a third generation Amora, and so now Ravaka. In the next generation, and elaborates further. Hadamaran pachot mishetut niktem mikach lamaran ela de la shavia shaliach aval shavia shaliach amal letakonesh edartich vela laavute. When it says that when uh, that there's less than the sixth of overcharging, then it's a valid sale. And so too bad, right? So it's a little bit more. Uh, so whatever, if you paid a little bit more, that's okay. It's still within the margin of error. That's only true if you came and bought it yourself and I overcharged you uh, just a little bit, then the sale is valid. But let's say you sent a messenger to buy it uh, for your behalf and I overcharge the messenger um, even less than, a, less than a sixth, then the sale is invalid because you, as the sender, can say, 
say, I sent you to do something for my benefit, right? I sent you to buy this $100 item and then you paid $103. I don't want to pay $103. So if you come yourself, so then you have to buyer beware to that extent, not total buyer beware, but within uh, within one sixth, uh, you have, it's your responsibility to figure it out. But if you send a shaliach, then you can say, ah, he was not my shaliach. He didn't do a good job. And when we say that brothers who divide an estate, uh, it's more than a sixth, um, then uh, they then the sale is valid, or in the case of the brothers, the division is invalid um, uh, because it's more than a sixth. That's only true if they didn't tell each other beforehand, let's divide according to the appraisal of the betin. But if before they started, they agreed, we're going to divide it based on the appraisal of the betin. Whatever they say goes, then even if the betin ends up making a mistake and they assess something more than a sixth over its value or under its value, nevertheless, it's valid because they agreed to it, which makes sense. Now, we do bring a, a Mishnah to support this. Tanakama here says that if the judges assess something and there's too little or too much by a sixth, then it's invalid. But Rava here is uh, following Rashbag that says it is valid. Uh, so why is it valid? So he's assuming that the reason why Rashbag would say it's valid is because they agreed to it in the first place. And therefore, no matter what, what they say, that we agreed to it and it's valid. And the last uh, statement that Rav Nachman said, that if it's exactly a six, the sale is valid or the division is valid, but you have to return the um, added uh, unfair amount, that's only regarding movable objects. But regard it with land, here's the general principle. There is no uh, fraud when it comes to land. Even if I overcharged you, that's it. That's the price. And you see today, right? You see around here, there's a two by four piece of land. Someone comes and pays $3 million. Why can he come say, oh, you overcharged me? Well, that's the price. People pay crazy prices for land. They want to be near their in-laws for some reason. I don't know why, but they want this piece of land. So when it comes to movable objects, well, you overcharged me. I could have bought the same camera somewhere else. Um, so that doesn't, you know, then, then it's invalid. But land, um, uh, has a special value for people. So that an overcharged piece of land, we, we don't say it's an overcharge. Um, and the, the sale goes through and you don't have to pay back the added amount. Now, even in that is a limitation. And that even when we said that regarding land, <laughs> there's no ona'a, that's only if they divide it by value. So they said, listen, I'm going to take this $10,000 uh, piece of, of land over here, and you take that other side over there that's worth uh, $10,000. Um, and now, uh, if they do it that way, and in the end they uh, assess, and it's not, not precisely correct, and it's uh, off by a sixth or more, then the sale is still valid, right? Because that, that was their assessment, so that's fine. But if they divide 
divided it according to the measurement um, that they said, I'm, I'm going to get this 100 feet of this land, and it's very good land, so you get 200 feet of that land, which is, uh, which is inferior land, and they uh, divide it that way. Well, then there is ona'ah, because that's a specific amount, and Rabat talked about selling very specific amounts and said, anything that is measured or weighed or numerated, even if it's less than a six difference, you have to return it. If I buy a, a dozen eggs from you, I go home and I see there's only 11 eggs. I come back and say, hey, there's only 11 eggs in here. You can't say, well, it's off by less than a six, so it's your loss. No, I want a dozen eggs. I want 12, or I bought a pound of something, or I, we said, I'm going to get 100 feet of this land, and in the end, you put the marker in the wrong place, and it's a foot less. You can't say, oh, it's a less than a six off. No, it's, a, it's an exact, when it's an exact amount, then uh, there is ona'a, and you have to return it. Um, uh, we only say the rule that there's no ona'a regarding land when you fix a price, um, and the price turns out to be uh, somewhat more or somewhat less. Next, So now we have another law about agency that if I send some a burning item, right, a, a fire, a blaze, and I send it uh, with someone who is either deaf or uh, not all there or a or a minor, and they go down and they go, they take this item and without thinking because they're not fully responsible, uh, they take this to someone else's field and they burn it down. Who is responsible? So uh, I, the sender, I am patur in the hands of a court because if I, the court, if I, it brings me to court, I say, well, uh, this is not an actual messenger. A cheresh katan cannot be a shaliach. So just because I told him to do it doesn't make him uh, doesn't make him my responsibility. Uh, it's different if I you know throw something or send an animal. Uh, then it's going because of my my agency because um, I'm doing something that's actually kind of direct. Whereas here I'm sending another human being, but that human being does not have competence to be able to do it on my behalf. So they did it on their own. So therefore I say sorry, I don't have to pay, even though in the hands of heaven, I am liable, and uh, right, the, 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 the heavenly betin will uh, take account of that. And now, if I send it in, 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 in with a competent person, I say, listen, take this uh, blazing thing, thing and go to that person's field, all right, and that person listens to me, and they go and burn it down, that messenger is chayav, and I am patur. I sent, I, even though I sent him, but he should have known better. So we explain. Hold on, we just proved from a hundred different ways that a person's messenger is like himself. So if I told another competent adult, go burn down that guy's field, and he goes and does it, how come you don't say I'm responsible, since he did it for me? Very important principle. Here it's different because there's no messengership when it comes to a sin. Because we say, if a master tells you something and a student says says something, who should you listen to? Right? If you, if um, someone's working in Microsoft and their direct supervisor says do A, and Bill Gates walks uh, walks by and says no, don't do A. 
And what, what should they uh, that employee do? Obviously, listen to Bill Gates. The, your, your direct uh, supervisor, he himself has to listen to Bill Gates. So by analogy, lehavdil, right? If uh, God said, you should do, you should not burn things down. Uh, you should do uh, misfot, you should not do sins. And then some, some person, human being, doesn't matter who it is, says, uh, go and sin. So the person who is competent has to know that he should listen to the Torah and ignore the person. Therefore, that competent individual who went and burned down the field is responsible, and he can't blame the other guy and says, well, I was just following orders. We now bring a challenge from a Braita to this principle that you just said that en shaliach Here, look at this case where you shaliach uh, is held responsible for making a sin. Uh, a shaliach that does not do his proper job, the shaliach does me'ila. So let's say I go and I tell this messenger, go take that, I have money in two drawers. One of the money is hol, the other money I sanctified and it's holy money cannot be used. I told him, go to the go to the top drawer with the unsanctified money and buy me something. He doesn't listen to me. He by mistake, he's not paying attention, and he goes to the drawer with sanctified money and he takes that money and uses it. So that's a the problem of Merila. Who's responsible? The Shaliach is responsible because he didn't do what I said. He acted against my will. He did it on his own. So he's responsible. Um, as, however, if he does the Shlichut, I told him to go to the second drawer with the consecrated money. I told him to do that and he did exactly what I said. Well, then I'm responsible because he is working on my behalf. Uh, now we ask um, if he, since he's doing my messengership, um, uh, that I'm, I'm responsible. Why don't we apply the principle that there is no such thing as a messenger for an avera? You just said there's no such thing as a messenger for avera. Here I sent him and so told him, go use that consecrated money to buy me something. He did what, what he did what I said. We should say that he's responsible because he has to listen to God also. How come over here the the uh, the sender is responsible? The answer is Shanim Meila. Meila is an exception. The Alpha Chet Chet Mitiruma Matiruma Meshaveh Shaliach. Af Meila Meshaveh Shal. We have a Gezerah Shava to Tiruma. Just like for Tiruma, I can appoint someone to take to, to make take Tiruma for me. So too. Regarding Me'ila, I can appoint someone, if I tell someone, go do this thing, and it's a violation of Me'ila, even though it's a sin, he is a messenger, and I, the sender, am responsible. Okay, good. Now we ask, since you have one case where sending someone to do a sin, and, and the sender is responsible, and that's Me'ila, why don't we use that as a paradigm and say, anytime someone sends someone someone to do a sin, the sender is responsible, right? If I hire a hitman, who's responsible, right? The sender or the hitman? So why, if we have one example, why don't we learn from all the rest? Because actually we have another example. We have a general rule that whenever you have two examples of something, that, that then the Torah is going out of its way to mention those two, to say only those two is where it's true and you cannot generalize it. What's the other one? 
shilichut yad if a watchman misuses something for himself. He's supposed to watch it, and instead he goes and uses it. Um, so Meila is one we mentioned. Shilichut yad mayhi. What's the law of misuse of a watchman? Detanya al kol devar pesha bet shamay omrim nechayav al machshava ke maaseh betilomim enochayav ad sheishlach boyash nemar imlo shalach yado. So this involves a lengthy brayta machloket. We'll see the point at the end uh, between bet shamay and bet tilal. Bet shamay says. Even if the watchman uh, thinks of misappropriating it, right? He says in front of witnesses, you know, this item I have that the guy, he, uh, he told me to, to watch his car, right? I'm going to go and drive it cross country. Um, and I state that. And I think of doing it. I'm already liable. It's the same as if I actually did it. Um, Betilel says, no, I'm only liable if I actually went and used his car when I was supposed to watch it. Because it says if he did not put his hand to the item and used it. Now the conversation. says there's an expansive term on any matter of trespass. That's inclusive. That comes to include also a declaration of thought. But points out that the Pasuk says if he didn't put his hand and actually do it. So that means if he only only if he actually does an action, not just thinks about it. So Bet Shemai says, fine, then what are you going to do with the Pasuk that is expansive and says any matter? And his answer is, Because otherwise I might have thought that only if I, the watchman, go and use the car, then I'm liable. But what if I tell someone else to use it? I, I, I send them as a messenger to my slave or to my shaliach to use it. I might have thought then I'm not responsible because uh, the shaliach is responsible for his own actions. That's why it says, according to Betilel, comes to include that a messenger is liable and not the sender. So here we have two laws, shalichutyad and me'ila. In both of these cases, the messenger is responsible and not the sender. And the fact that Torah says two cases means those are the exceptions and we cannot learn to all other cases. And so we're totally good. There's two exceptions, but otherwise the rule sticks. According to Bet Shammai, who does not have this teaching, um, because he uses the pasuk for thought, and so according to him, if I send some, ask a messenger, hey, take this car that I'm supposed to watch, then the, in fact, the messenger would be liable, not the sender. So now we have, we're down to only one case of Merila, and so you should use that and extrapolate to all laws. So what's, how, how's Bet Shammai going to answer? that uh, because there is yet another law of the thief that steals something an animal and if then he slaughters it or sells it then he has to pay four or five times and in that case also uh, if you do it with a messenger the sender is liable. And so you have, in fact, even according to Bet Shammai, also two examples that come to teach the same thing, and therefore they cannot, they cannot be used as a paradigm. Let's explain. We know that case already. We're comparing the two. Just like when you sell, when a thief sells it to someone, he needs someone else to make a sale. You can't sell something to yourself. So that's obviously going to involve a third party. And even though it involves a third party, Nevertheless, the thief is liable four or five times for stealing it and selling it. 
to, so to slaughtering it, if the thief goes and goes to the butcher and brings this uh, sheep that he stole and asks the butcher, can you slaughter this on my behalf? And the butcher slaughters it, the thief is still responsible, even though he uh, sent the messenger. And in general, because of stolen goods. And nevertheless, this is an exception to the rule that the thief is nevertheless responsible. And therefore, Bet Shemai also has two examples, and we do not extrapolate from two examples. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.